You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Radiant Church, good to see all you guys on this awesome, beautiful Sunday morning. If you're new, welcome. My name is Pastor Marco. I am the lead pastor here at Radiant Church. Thank you for making Radiant a part of your weekend. Hey, um, before we get into the message, I want to just take a few minutes. I'll make it short, but I want to take a few moments to address this past week and some of our big events that took place, of course, in our state and our nation this past week. And I'm specifically talking about the election on Tuesday and into Wednesday. And um, I'm sure many of you have been battling with some discouragement and some frustration. Uh, maybe you've been upset, uh, even a little bit of anger as a result of um, the elections. And I'm talking specifically really with the passing of Proposal 3. And if you were in that place let me just say I can relate. I was there as well, probably on Tuesday and, and Wednesday. I was facing some of those same thoughts of discouragement and battling some of those things. And, you know, elections have consequences, right? And so we know that. And I think it is disheartening because it does act as a gauge. Um, it, it, does, it does gauge the temperature of our culture, doesn't it? Kind of shows us where we're at. And... I was battling some of that discouragement this week, but I want to just show you three quick things. I know some of the, a lot of pastors were online doing their TikTok videos and Instagram stories, and I'm, I don't, I'm not one to always do that, so I wanted to just address you in person. I wanted to give a, a Christian response to what we saw here this week. As I prayed, I felt the Lord just give me three verses. I mean, it was really fast. He just downloaded them into my spirit to encourage my heart, and I want to encourage you this morning. So I want to just show you three verses quickly that encourage my heart, and I hope will encourage you as well. Number one is this, Romans 1.16. Notice what it says. Paul's writing to the Romans. He says this, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. I love this verse because... As I read this verse, as I thought of this verse, I was reminded, church, and I want you to be reminded, that the gospel remains unhindered. Amen? The gospel remains unhindered. And it says this, that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. You know, as a, as a citizen of the United States of America, as a Christian citizen, I want there to be righteous policies, and I hope that you want the same thing. We should want the same thing. However, when those policies don't uh, come to fruition, um, listen, what we need more, what we need to be reminded of is this, is that only the gospel can transform the human heart, right? Only the gospel can transform the human heart. There can be laws in place, but people's hearts will not be changed just because there's a law in place. The second verse that the Lord reminded me of this week was, Matthew 16, 18. This is, of course, when Jesus or Peter responds to who Jesus is. And then Peter tells Jesus, well, you know, you're the Messiah. And uh, Jesus responds back to him. 
You know, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then in verse 18, Jesus says to Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or Hades, will not overcome it. And I just, I just felt like the Lord remind me, you know what, Marco, I am building my church, and regardless of what happens in culture, no matter how dark the world gets, Christ will build his church. Amen, church, right? Amen, yeah, we should, yeah, you can clap your hands. Come on. I want you to make yourself alive here a little bit. I know there seems to be a little bit fewer of us here in this service, but listen, uh, I think this is really good news. Someone asked me a few months ago, hey, are you worried about the state of the church? Our world is getting darker and darker. And I said, no, I'm not worried at all because Christ said he'll build his church. And I want to remind you that Jesus makes good on his promises. Amen. Jesus makes good on his promises. Finally, John 14, nope, I, let me take that back. John 1, verses 4 and 5, of course, uh, John is writing, he's writing in response to who Jesus is. He says this, in him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. Next verse. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the Lord reminded me of this, church, that no amount of darkness can snuff out one light. That no matter how dark it gets, listen, all it takes is one light to make a difference. And so, church, here's my message for you this morning, as far as this beginning of it anyways. Be encouraged because, listen, our hope is found in Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, according to Hebrews 13, verse number 8. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. Listen, and he's coming again, so we should be prepared for the coming of our Lord. And our vocation, our mission, our job, it remains the same, to shine bright, to continue to shine bright, to serve our community. Listen, and, and this, to speak the truth in love to a very lost and a very very confused world. That remains our job and our vocation. Can someone say amen this morning, church? Amen. All right. Awesome. I pray those words will encourage you as they encouraged me this week. Well, this morning, I want to begin a brand new message series entitled The Almighty Dollar, The Power of Money and How We Handle It. You know, whenever we talk about money inside of the church, it makes people get a little squirmy, a little wormy, a little uncomfortable, makes people pretty nervous. And one of the reasons why it makes people so nervous is because money is a very, very personal thing, a very, very personal thing. But I want to just kind of put your mind at ease and your hearts at ease. You can relax. The reason I'm going through this three-week message series on money and stewardship is not because the church is in some sort of financial trouble, okay? So don't worry about that. And number two, I'm not teaching this message series um, because I'm going to take up an offering at the end of the message, okay? So just relax, breathe, it's going to be okay. As I was thinking about this topic of money and stewardship, it's such an important topic I was thinking, and you know, I really haven't done a message series 
on finances, on stewardship for over two years. In fact, it was 2020, early 2020, when I did a message series on stewardship. So if someone comes to you and says, Pastor Marco only talks about money, you can say, hey, let me just fact check you really quick. That's not true. He never talks about money. Only once every few years, you can say, and the Lord still provides. Amen? So listen, that's a lie. I don't talk about money every single week. So again, I want to just kind of set your minds at ease. But as I was thinking truly, you know, I was thinking, you know, Radiant has so many new people here, praise God. And we've got a lot of young people here, people who are teenagers in in their 20-somethings who have no idea how to handle their money. All they do is they get it and then they spend it as much as they can, and it just is a cycle. And there's a, there's a cycle of poverty maybe in their family. There's a cycle of not knowing how to handle your money. There's a cycle of debt, high debt. And I thought to myself, you know what? I mean, I've been thinking about this for months, church, that we needed to go through this. But it's, it's a disservice if I don't talk about this topic to you. Uh, in this time, especially sort of in light of, you know, nation, uh, inflation nation, if you know what I mean, right? But as I was thinking about this topic, uh, stewardship, money, really there's two primary reasons. Number one, money is connected to every aspect of our life, right? Money is just connected to all aspects of your life. I mean, you're going to touch it every day probably. Well, maybe not literally, but digitally, I guess you're going to touch it, Right? Uh, you're going to think about it probably almost every day, even if you're just trying to, you know, comb your cup holder in your SUV for or your van for those quarters so you can just try to go through the drive through at Starbucks, right, or the dollar menu at Taco Bell. Listen, money is connected to everything that we do. And number two, money, listen, is closely tied to the heart. Money is closely tied to the human heart. Jesus talks about this, and we'll talk about this actually today in depth for several moments. But listen, money is closely tied to the human heart. Did you know this? Did you know that there are so many things vying for the affections of your heart, and my heart as well? So many things. And money happens to be probably the number one competitor when it comes to our heart's affections besides God. Money is a direct competitor. Why is that? Because money promises things that it cannot fulfill. Money promises things that it cannot fulfill. Money will promise you your future is going to be perfect. Everything's going to work itself out. It's going to be awesome. You don't, who needs God? God schmod, whatever. Jesus who? Well, we don't need that. You don't need him. You don't need that religion. You don't need that church. You don't need that crazy preacher who yells at you sometimes on some Sundays. What you need is you need more cash, right? And it's true. You might need a little bit more cash in your pocket. We could all use a little bit more of that. But money will make you promises that it cannot fulfill, it cannot keep. And it, it is indirect competition for the affections of your heart. What do I mean? I mean this. Money just doesn't just want a place in your mind or in your thoughts. Money wants your worship. It really wants your worship, okay? It wants to consume your time. And so as we look at these scriptures this morning in the next couple of weeks here, I pray, my prayer is that it will change and transform us the way that we think about money, the way that we think about possessions, and it will lead us to greater allegiance and obedience to Jesus 
Christ. Because Jesus actually has a lot to say about money. Just open up the New Testament and the Gospels. He actually speaks about possessions and money quite frequently. We'll highlight some of those through this series. Let's take a few moments to pray, and then we're going to go ahead and we're going to dive into the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 6. But before we do that, let's pray together, church. Father in heaven, we love you and we thank you, God, that our vocation remains the same. No matter what happens in politics, God, we know that the church is called to shine, that revival will not come through government or politics. Revival will come through the church. The change that we so desperately want, Lord, will come primarily through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we do trust in you no matter what happens in the world around us. Today, God, would you open up blind eyes? Because I know maybe some have come in here with blind eyes. They're spiritual eyes. They just haven't been opened yet. God, would you unlock deaf ears? Because some people will just not, they will not hear your words. They will just ignore them. They will roll their eyes. They will say obscenities in their head. They just won't hear it, God. And so we need you to unlock deaf ears. Finally, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, would you soften hardened hearts because of life, because of the world, because of hurt, because of abuse, because of somebody mistreating us? I think many of us have a hardened heart. We need it to be softened. Holy Spirit, we ask that you do that this morning so that we, your people, God, would be drawn to you and that we could receive your words and then put them into practice. Put them into practice, God. That's what we want. So, Lord, if anyone is far from you today, I pray that you would draw them near to you, God. Um, may, may their lives be changed today by your spirit through the gospel of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Matthew chapter 6, if you have a Bible, version app, um, I would love for you to follow along with me. Sermon on the Mount, we're going to begin in verse 19. I got a big chunk of scripture that I want us to go through this morning, so bear with me. Beginning in verse number 19, these are the words of Jesus, the king of the universe. He says this, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth. Some of you are like, oh, are you serious? What? He says that. <laughs> where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, right? If you have like nice stuff at home, nothing wrong with nice stuff. But Jesus is making the point like, hey, someone can come in and steal that stuff, and that stuff's all going to wear away. Your clothes are going to get old and tattered. Your designer jeans or whatever, that $100 pair of jeans, it's just going to get, you know, old, and you're not going to, you're going to gain a little weight, and you're not going to be able to fit into those jeans eventually, right? And so the idea is the stuff that we have is good, and it's nice, but Jesus says, don't make your life's focus about just getting a bunch of stuff, Right? Don't do that because that's not the way to live. Rather, we should focus on storing up treasures in heaven. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then he says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, 
Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, or literally it's mammon, mammon. It's the Canaanite deity. It's a false god of money and possessions. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So Jesus says, listen, why don't you look at the birds of the air? They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus is comparing us to birds and saying, hey, you guys, we are made in the image of God. We're so much more valuable than birds. He says, can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, right? That is a word for you worry warts in here. You who love to worry, you make an occupation out of worrying, right? And why do you worry about clothes, right? Why do you worry about what kind of jeans you have on, if they're the newest types of jeans, the, the tennis shoes, Jordans or Nikes or Adidas? Why do you worry about that stuff? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, who was very, very wealthy, in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. In other words, God already knows that we need this stuff. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, and you will be given, or sorry, and these things will be given to you as well. This is Jesus' solution, right? Seek first his kingdom. If you have not memorized Matthew 6.33, I would really recommend that you do that. It's just a, it's one of those life verses in my life. I, I, I just always come back to it. I want to take the next several moments, and I want to talk about some of these verses here with you this morning. When it comes to money and possessions, uh, all of us fall somewhere on a spectrum. And the spectrum is this. It's a place of need or a place of abundance. You can put that illustration up that I made. A place of need or a place of abundance. Now, some of you in the room, you're closer to abundance. And what I mean is this, all of your bills are pretty much paid for. Um, you got a little bit of money in the bank, you know what I mean? Money to spend. You have some money in savings. Maybe you're on that Dave Ramsey trip. You got three, yeah, yeah, three to six months of your earnings saved up for that rainy day, that, you know, that emergency fund that Dave Ramsey talks about. If you're, if you're not familiar with that, get familiar with that, okay, because that's really sound um, biblical stewardship principles. Maybe um, you've got a little bit of money going towards that next vacation, you know what I mean? So for you, I mean, you're more on the abundant side, and life is decently comfortable. It doesn't mean that you're a millionaire. It doesn't mean that you have everything that you could ever want. That's not what it means. It just simply means that you're in a place of abundance, okay? Others of you here, when you think of money and stewardship, you're like, ha, what money? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like that picture of the wall that's open, Pastor Marco, that's kind of like me right now. As I open it up, there's no credit cards. I mean, my license is in there, but there's not much beyond that. I have $13 in my checking account. I don't have a savings account. 
Dave who? Ramsey what? Okay? And you're just trying to figure out how you're going to make ends meet. And maybe you're saying, maybe you're saying my car needs to be fixed. And listen, I, I just don't know how I'm going to make it into this next month. But here's the thing. Wherever you're at, because we're all, all of us, we fall on this spectrum somewhere, somewhere between having more of a need or being in a place of abundance. But listen, no matter where you're at on this spectrum, I want to just challenge you this morning that God is asking all of us today the same question. If you're watching online, God is asking you online the same question today. And the question is this, can you trust me with your money, right? Can you trust God with your money? Can you trust me with your money? This is what God is asking all of us. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to trusting God, a lot of us are like, oh, yeah, I trust God with my next relationship, and I'm believing God for that godly man that I'm going to marry someday, and Lord, I just trust you with my relationships. Praise God. Amen. Lord, I trust you with my career and just what I, what I think I'm going to do in the next six months to the next you know, two years. Lord, I trust you with my career. Yes, you can have my career. Lord, I trust you with my family. You are so good, right? I fully trust you. But Lord, I don't know if I trust you with my money, right? Because money is personal. Money is so closely tied to the human heart. So maybe some of us in here are like, ah, wait a second. He wants me to surrender my wallet too? I kind of want to just keep most of that. I kind of want to just figure that out myself. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> I don't really want God to touch that or tell me where I should go. I, I, I'm fully capable. I, I got a master's degree. I'm, I'm pretty capable of figuring this thing out, right? So maybe you're more along that tip this morning, but the same is true for all of us. Can we trust God with our abundance? Can we trust God in our need? And if you've ever been in need, you know that it's not fun. Okay, because if you're just barely making it or you're not making it, what do you experience in life? I'll tell you what you experience. You experience stress, anxiety, worry, and ultimately what? Fear. Fear. You're wondering like, oh, my gosh, this is not going to work out. Like, what happens if that doesn't get paid for? And what if the utilities are turned off? And what am I going to do if I can't make that car payment? And how am I going to make ends meet? I don't have enough I can't even afford groceries this week because it's like the prices are astronomical right now. And you're thinking, man, right? And so you experience all these things like stress, anxiety, worry, and fear. But you know what? You also experience, you also experience shame. Shame. Like everybody else has got this money thing figured out except for me. And I'm just a fool. I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm doing. Shame. I'm going to have to ask for help now. I don't want to ask for help. That's embarrassing. So money affects the heart in profound ways. But can I also tell you, it's not just in your need. Money affects the human heart also in your abundance, on the other side of things. And let me tell you how that is, all right? When we have an abundance, when the bills are paid, when there's extra to pay, uh, when there's extra to go shopping, when there's extra to go out to eat or for that vacation, listen, it has a way. Money can give us a false sense of security, peace, and satisfaction. Because money will say to you, if you just have enough of me, everything will just be fine. Everything's going to be okay. 
And I get it. If you're in a place of need, you, need, you, you may need some more money, and that will actually help solve a problem. But when you're in a place of abundance, it can give you a false sense of peace and security. And here's what it does. It preys on your desires. It preys on your desires. And that has a way of, guess what, um, taking our priorities and just really mixing them up. And we're not so good at prioritizing the right things when we have an abundance. So God says, can you trust me, not just in your need, but will you trust me with your abundance? Verse 21, Jesus says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is one of the reasons why, right? It's so important. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Church, he's just simply telling us what we already know, that your heart automatically follows your treasure. Your heart automatically follows your treasure. What do you treasure in this lifetime? What do you treasure right now here on earth? Because your heart, no matter what you do, it simply follows what you treasure. If you treasure the Lord, if you treasure Jesus, guess what? Your heart is steered towards the affections of Jesus, of knowing him wanting to become holy like he is, wanting to live a life that honors him, not just saying it with your lips, but actually living it, being transformed by the Holy Spirit, right? Whatever you treasure, your heart automatically follows that. And so we know that we have a responsibility to honor God in both our need and our abundance. The Apostle Paul actually tells us the same thing. The Apostle Paul says, that there are challenges in both areas. And I want to show you Philippians chapter 4, verses number 10 through 13. Paul writes, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need. And then notice what he says. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. Paul says, I've been there, done that, wrote the book. And I know what it is to have plenty, need and abundance, need and abundance. He says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well fed, whether I'm going to Genji's tonight, or whether it's ramen noodles, right? Or whether, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he says this, the verse that we take out of context so often, I can do all this through him who gives me strength, right? Paul's not actually saying, hey, we can win the Super Bowl through Jesus who gives us strength. That's not what he's saying, right? We're taking that verse out of context. Paul is saying, actually, no, no, no. It's actually, we can live in any circumstance. We can live, we can be content in anything through Christ, he strengthens us. So Paul says this, listen, whether you got, like, whether you just have a little or you have a lot, you need to be content in both areas. There's, it's a battle. Can I just tell you, it's a battle in, in both areas. It's hard to trust God in both areas. Have you noticed that throughout time and throughout history, uh, some Christians have assigned uh, a form of spirituality to one, uh, to one, to to both of these categories. Christians have assigned spirituality 
to both of these categories. And what I mean is this. Some people have said that you are more spiritual, you're more holy when you have nothing. You're, you're, right? you're more spiritual, you're more holy when you, when you don't have a whole lot. Oh, bless his heart. He's, he's, oh, he's, so, he's so righteous. He's so precious in the Lord's eyes. No, he's just broke. He's just broke. He's broke, okay? The truth of the matter is, is that living this way, some people are called to live this way, but it doesn't necessarily make you more righteous or holy just because you live that way. Other people will come along and say, well, that's not true. God is not more pleased with you when you're poor. God is more pleased with you when you have a, a lot of money, when you have an abundance. And so, so wealth and prosperity becomes a sign of God's favor, of God's blessing in your life. Now, let me just tell you this. Sometimes, yes, that's true. Sometimes, no, it's not true. Sometimes, yes, it's true. Not always. Not always. But some people have assigned these spiritual roles according to how much money you have. And I think we should just stop doing that. Christians need to stop doing that. We're automatically demonizing people who are wealthy, and we're calling those who don't have much righteous. The truth and the reality is this. Many of you know that there are poor righteous people, and there are poor unrighteous people. In the same way, there are wealthy, righteous people, okay? Godly, wealthy people, lots of, I know some, extremely wealthy, like millionaire wealthy. And there's also wealthy, unrighteous people. Okay? Can you be wealthy and be righteous? Of course you can. Can you be wealthy and be godly? Absolutely you can. Absolutely. We got to stop demonizing people who have their own businesses or who are making it in abundance, The issue is not that God favors you if you're in need or that God favors you if, you're, if you have plenty. In reality, the truth is that there are challenges in both. There are challenges in both. Now, I'm going to keep going on this for a few more moments. I want to go deeper just for a few more moments because in your need and your abundance, there's also fear. There's fear on both sides. When you're in your need, when you have a need, there's, here's the fear. The fear sounds like this. God, if you, don't, if you don't come through, like, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, if you don't show up, my life's going to be ruined. My life will be a disaster. I'll be made fun of. People will know that I'm poor. People will know that I don't have anything. That'll be so embarrassing. God, you better show up because I'm afraid this is not going to work out. But on the other side, when you're, in, when you're in a place of abundance, some Christians think like this. Well, if I just... If I just live generously, if I just give, give, and give, like I think I'm supposed to, I'm not going to have enough for me. I'm not going to have enough for me to have some fun. I want to have some fun. I want to go on that vacation. Well, if I just live a generous life, there's not going to be enough to go around, and my life's just going to be miserable because I'm give, 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 give. It's a fear. It's a fear. And some Christians actually tell themselves this message. Fear on both sides. But the question for us again today is this, are you willing to trust him? This is a simple question, and I need you to wrestle with this question for the rest of this message and as you leave today. Are you willing to trust him with your money? I don't care how much you make. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about the money you do make. I just work at Taco Bell. Are you willing to work at Taco Bell and trust him 
with the money you make there. Maybe you're a business owner and you have 15, 20 employees. Are you willing to trust them with your business and the money you make there? No matter where you're at, you need to wrestle with this question. I want to I wanna, I wanna bring up kind of an illustration. When we look at life, you know, here's what we often do. Here's what a lot of people do. We often look at life through the lens of scarcity. Actually, I know a lot of Christians do this, unfortunately. It's a, it's a, it's, I call it the poverty mindset. A lot of poverty mentality. That, that happens a lot in Bay City, by the way. But we look at the world through a lens of scarcity. I call it, or I've heard it called, actually, the Black Friday mentality. Black Friday mentality. Isn't it ironic <laughs> that the day, after the, the, the day after we've given thanks for all the stuff that we have, the next day we go out and trample on people to get the things that we think we need to have? The Black Friday mentality. What do I mean by that? Pastor Marco, what does that mean? I, here's what I mean. I mean this. There's only one Xbox at that price. And if I don't get it, it's going to be gone. There's only one flat screen 72-inch at Best Buy for that price. I got to get it. I, got, I don't care if I go into that. I, I got to get that right now, right? It's a, it's a lens of scarcity. There's only just a little bit. There's not enough to really go around. There's only just a little bit here and there. And if I don't get mine, well, I'm not going to get anything. That's a lens of scarcity where we look at the world as never having enough, right? Can I just tell you that the world, the marketers, the advertisers have capitalized on this. Why? Here's what they do. One day only, sale like you've never seen before, epic sale. If you miss now, you'll never get prices like this again. You're like, oh my God, I got to get there. Right? And there'll never be a sale like this again until the next month where there's another sale just like this again, right? And so advertisers have capitalized on this type of a lens of scarcity. There's not enough to go around. If you don't get yours, you're not going to get it. If you don't get that nice car then, you're never going to get it. If you don't get that deal then, you just will never get it. It's a lens of scarcity. There's just simply not enough to go around. And Anne, if you would help me out for a moment. Rather, what I want us to do, or let me, let me give you a brief, a bit more of an explanation of that lens of scarcity. Scarcity, thank you, my assistant Ann here. All right. All right, so I want you to look at, if we're looking at the world through the lens of scarcity, okay? So here's a picture. It doesn't have a whole lot in here. There's not a lot to go around. So when we look at the lens, when we look at the world through the lens of scarcity, listen, well, there's a little bit for him here. He can have a little bit right here. He can have a little bit right here, but if I don't get mine, well, there's nothing left. There's only so much blessing to go around, and then it's, it's gone. It's gone. So therefore, if there's only so much to go around, then I don't want to give generously because there's nothing left. I don't want to live a generous lifestyle. I don't want to live by biblical principles because, well... There's only so much to go around. And what I want to challenge you with this morning is rather than looking at life through the lens of scarcity, 
What if rather we began to look at life through the lens of abundance? And the lens of abundance means this, that when someone gets a nice car, we don't have to say, must be nice. We can celebrate with them, right? Because someone just got blessed, and so we can, we can celebrate. We don't have to, we, we can give generously because we're connected to the very source of life. And so as the Lord gives blessing, and then guess what? It just keeps going, going, and going, and going. Why? Because we discover that we're connected to the very source of life. Can you clap your hands this morning for that church? <laughs> That's the lens of what? Of abundance. It's the lens of abundance. I want to show you verse number 33. It says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says, do not worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Pagans, people who don't have God in their life, that's what they worry about. But you're not a pagan. You are a Christ follower. You know the source. Remember, you're tapped in, I'm tapped in to the source of all blessing. Listen, this would have been a better illustration if I would have had a hose because literally it would have been connected to the water source, but I didn't want to risk, you know, like electrocuting anybody on stage. And so we didn't do that this morning. But when you discover that you're connected to the very source of life, there's more than enough blessing for everyone around for everyone here. You don't have to live with a scarcity mentality. You don't have to live saying, well, if I, if I give here, then that's going to, that means less for me. If I give a tithe to the Lord, well, then I can't do that. No, 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 no. That, no, no, you're not getting it. You're connected to the very source of life. Therefore, yes, you can give. You can open up your heart. You can open up your wallet. You can celebrate when someone else gets blessed. You don't have to be jealous. Why? Because we're connected to the very source of all life. And there's more than enough. There's more than enough. And so the question for you this morning, church, is will you trust him? Will you trust him with your money? Will you trust him with your need? Will you trust him with your abundance? Wherever you fall at on the spectrum, listen, the question for you this morning that I want you to wrestle with is will you trust Jesus with your money? the thing that is so closely tied to your heart, will you begin to trust them? This is foundational to our next few weeks here as we, as we open up the scriptures. This is foundational. I want to pray with you this morning. If we could just bow our heads, maybe close our eyes, a posture of prayer. Father, we love you, and we, we just open up our hearts to you, open up our lives to you, and we surrender not just our careers. We, we surrender not just our families. We surrender not, not just our futures to you, Lord, we even surrender our wallets and the money that we have. We know that every good and perfect gift comes from above, the Father of lights. James chapter 1 talks about this. Every good gift comes from above. It's not on our own doing. It's not because we're so smart. It's because of you. And so, Father, remind us that no matter where we're at today, would you teach us to trust you? Some of us, God, we do need a bit more. God, would you meet our need? Meet our need. We're trusting you to come through to pay the electric bill, to pay the utility bill, to make that next payment. God, we need you for groceries maybe, Lord. Father, 
Some of us are, are in our, uh, an abundance today, God. We need to trust you with the extra that we have to steward it well so that it might honor and glorify you. We don't have to worry that we're going to outgive you because we're connected to the source. So, Father, our hearts belong to you, every single area of our lives. Jesus, have your way. And, Lord, if someone doesn't know you today, I pray that right now they would turn to Jesus, the source of life, the forgiveness of sins, to be reconciled to the Father for new life right now and into eternity. You can know the mercy and the grace of God by turning to Jesus today. Lord, we love you, we worship you, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Cheers. Let's clap our hands this morning for him.